You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hey, Valerie, how's it going? Gina, how are you? I'm great. What have you been doing? Oh, my goodness. Um, it's just been one of those really hectic days. Yeah, right. How about you? How about you? Um, well, yeah, same, but um, I'm just about to make, after we finish recording, I'm making almond biscotti. Have you ever made them? Have you ever had them? I've had almond biscotti and, no, I've never made almond biscotti. All right. Well, this is my first time, so I've got all the ingredients. Oh. I'm really excited. I've got the roast. I've roasted the almonds, mm. um, got all the ingredients. So it's basically, uh, guys, uh, welcome to the show. This is actually a photography podcast. If you've just stumbled <laughs> along, uh, Val and I spend the first few minutes just connecting, catching up on our week. We've got a great show this week. Uh, it is What is the Best Lens for Portraits? wide or long and we're going to do a, a deep dive in that but I just want to tell you about my almond biscotti okay so yes I, yeah so I got the almonds roasted and uh basically you make a dough you cook that first and then you slice it up into the little biscotti do you want some do you want me to send you some up I think you'd enjoy them Val yes yes in fact you that's a thing now apparently because one of my writing students is writing an article on it where you send baked goods across yeah. the oceans Yes, no, um, so I've been sent uh, many a baked good from interstate. I think it's mm. a, a lovely thing. I think it's a beautiful gesture. And I think, you know, turning up to someone's house with, uh, you know, a box of freshly baked stuff that you made, and they look so complicated, but they're actually easy. If you guys want the recipe, I'm happy <laughs> to post it. I might, um, when they're done, I might uh, take photos. But, um Thanks, everyone, for the beautiful feedback we got from last week's episode where we talked about some home truths about starting a business. And can I tell you, there have been so many people that have emailed me, uh, particularly in the gold community where many, most of the members in there are busy setting up their own um, home studios and businesses where everyone just sort of saw, had this huge sigh of relief. It's like, oh, thank you. Thank you for letting me know it takes longer than everyone says it does. Thank you for letting me know that it is there are these periods of feast and famine because, you know, mm. when you're starting something new, you think you're the only one that's going through this. You think you're the only one that, that has doubts about whether your style is any good. You think you're the only one that has periods of, like, no work or that whether you're getting slammed. And so I think it's just really good to know that, no, you're not the only one. This is a common and shared experience. So mm. um, it's really lovely to be back and I'm glad um, everyone just got so much out of last week's episode. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you to those of you who said that you liked my rendition of the Book of Mormon. 
Yeah, so I missed your joke, Val, and I see bread people. I get it now, but I missed it on the day. You know, there was a lot going on, but I think it's a really good joke. But I think it's the fact that you laughed about it so long in advance. I think, like, next time you're setting up a joke like that, you just got to be a bit cooler about it and just kind of a bit drier with the entry. And, you know, but it was a very good, I see bread people, very funny, and I think a few people sort of agreed with you. Okay, let's move on. What we, shall we go into uh, this week's topic? What is the best lens for portraits, wide or long? Yeah, so I think lens choice and um, where you position yourself in, in, in proximity to your model makes a huge difference to how your images will look and how your model will look. So this week I want to do a deep dive into um, the different focal lengths and my thought process over uh, whether I shoot wide or whether I shoot long. Now, I do mix it up. I do like shooting long because of the narrow field of view, and I must say that the majority of my studio shoots uh, are always shot on sort of around 100 to 150 focal length, but most of my um, lifestyle and... um, uh, portrait shoots outdoors, I shoot them wide. So what if you want to sort of follow along, there are extensive images that you can look at in the show notes this week, which uh, kind of really describe what's going on. And if you can get a handle on this, it's going to make uh, lens choice and life a whole lot easier. So it's not just like a, a happy accident that you choose a certain focal length. There's a real sort of... um. There's a science behind it, believe it or not. And if you want to check out the show notes, they're over at GinaMilitia.com. So um, let's have a talk about, because there is uh, a number of factors that come in and there is also the smartphone factor that has come in. So I have um, of late been photographing a lot of um, under 30s. So what do we call them, millennials? And Gen- yeah, why Gen- have you? Because I just do, like, you know. Okay. (laughs) But I'll tell you what's been a game changer with working with these people, and this is something that I've been thinking about and have noticed for a long time. These um, millennials and Gen Z have grown up pretty much only seeing their their image on a smartphone, right? Now, do you know what happens and what the lens on a smartphone is compared to, say, a normal camera? Well, it makes you look better. Why is that? Val? I don't Why know. Do you say it makes you look better. Good All right. So, what it is is the smartphone camera is a very wide lens. Okay. Now, mm-hmm. what the typical selfie. Uh, because, you know, people don't want other people taking their photos because they've worked out their own angles better. And so when you get a wide-angle lens from a, like a smartphone and you hold it above your head and tilt it at an angle, it makes your face look a lot narrower. So there's there's a bit of um, body dysmorphia going on. There's actually a lot of body dysmorphia going on amongst people who are using smartphones, which is... Which is everyone. (laughs) Everyone in the world. It's like, you know, it it doesn't need need to be an iPhone or top of the range, but even like a $50 
you know, Cheapy has got that camera with that wide-angle lens, which is going to do that same thing. So what happens is the, these kids only, the kids, the young adults, have only ever seen their image shot wide and that distortion. So if you then bust out a long lens, they're not going to like it and they never have. And I've always wondered, well, how do I tackle this? So if you go to the show notes at genomilitia.com, I've got a little uh, like a number of images that shows the difference in what how the face photographs between wide angle 24 millimetres and 200 millimetres. And you can see that um, the, the wider focal length, the face looks very narrow and slightly distorted. And at 50 millimetres, that's what people actually look like. And all the way up to 200 millimetres, where the face looks uh, a lot fuller. And that's why these kids don't like that. They don't like that look. And a lot of other people don't like that look. So, where their face is fuller? Yeah. Uh -huh. No one wants to look um, like that on camera. So, uh -huh. um, what do I do when I'm shooting anyone of that age group? I shoot wide and I shoot close so they get something that closely resembles what they're used to seeing on a mm. smartphone, but mm. also with the high production value, which you can't get with a smartphone. So they're lit. And then we use all those connection techniques that I use. So I use the, the lighting that I've been preaching in zero to hero. It's that exact lighting that just makes everyone, any face that you photograph look amazing. So they're lit. And then we use all the connection tools. But then the other little extra trick is to come in closer and shoot a little bit wider and give them something that they're used to and they love the photos. For the first time, I'm getting millennials mm. saying, oh, this is better than I can do with my iPhone, which is you've got to take that as a compliment, really. <laughs> now, I'm just going to segue here and take a little detour because uh, over the various episodes, you've mentioned Zero to Hero a few times. And in case there are some new listeners, perhaps you can just explain what that is and then we'll circle back to talk about lens choices. So um, at the start of um, 20. 21, I think, I used all the questions and um, knowledge that I'd had developed over, over, you know, 30 years of shooting to put together the ultimate course in lighting. But the way I put it together, I've called it Zero to Hero. I've got part one and part two. It's going to be like the um, Fast and Furious franchise, Val. Where, what are they up to in that? They've just they've done Fast and Furious nine and Vin Diesel Walker? just walked yes. Paul Walker's daughter down the aisle. Did you cry when you saw that bell? How I beautiful! Did. And I how did. lovely that he stayed in her life. And um, apparently yeah. she wishes him a happy Father's Day every year. And he's got two daughters as well. Yeah. Even I thought that was a cute story. It's beautiful. He's a godfather, I think. Oh, he's a godfather. I think um, so. Yeah. So. Back to zero. To yeah, sorry, <laughs> sidetracked there. Back to zero to hero. <laughs> and so basically after um, working with the goal community and uh, all the books and all the questions that I've had like over the last 10 years that I have been teaching, I've realised that um, 
everyone's got the same sort of questions and everyone's got the same sort of hang-ups about lighting and everyone gets bamboozled by the way that lighting is taught. And and I created this course and that that will take you from zero, like zero knowledge of lighting, to hero creating high-end commercial style portraits. Uh, some people have done it in less than a week. It depends on uh, how quickly they um, embrace it, how quickly they're prepared to. Because what I've had, the, the, the comment that I've had the most is when I finally ditched all the other half bits of information that I've picked up over the years and forgot about everything and started with from scratch and just used the content that I'm teaching, they actually picked it up a lot faster. So there's we've had people who have been like, reluctant to shoot flash flash is flash is flashy it looks awful to you know um veterans who have been shooting for ages who take this and suddenly it revolutionizes your um flash photography and the good thing is it is taught with uh, um the the most basic of gear like you know under under 200 dollars is the kit that you need and then you can continue to use that kit which a lot of the um, goldies are doing to start their portrait and headshot businesses. And you see how the light works. You see how the shadows work. And they're finally all, they're all coming back and saying, I actually understand lighting. So it is something, I think of all the courses I've created, Zero to Hero is the one that I'm most proud of. Okay, that's great. And uh, that is um, available to everyone in the gold community. This podcast is brought to you by the Gold Community. I'm passionate about helping the members of the Gold Community. They're wonderful photographers and I love seeing them progress in leaps and bounds. Here's what Lucy Valentine had to say. I definitely have done some wonderful work, but I think that a lot of it was, oopsie, look, look at what happened. I got that great shot and I don't know how. <laughs> and and now, now I have an understanding of how to get the shot. And I am, as you say, you know, I'm preconceiving what I want to do and setting things up so that I can get that. I feel much more in control of the outcome. I feel more capable of saying yes to a lot of different opportunities. And and I think that saying yes was the very first advice that I took from you. Things that used to frighten me, like d- different types of light or even different locations. I used to stick to one outdoor location. They're not even a remote fear of mine anymore. One of the things that I really was lacking before joining the Gold community was uh, peer group and mentors. Being in this group, I feel like these people and you are right next to me. You are so there and available to all of us. Now that I'm getting to know a bunch of the members, it's just wonderful. You know, at this place, you can find your tribe. Me to be able to cheer them on and them to cheer me on. Everyone has everyone else's best interests and opportunities to learn at heart. I'm getting definite value out of this that, I, um, that I'm so happy about. So thank you for that. If you'd like to find out more about the Gold community, head to GinaMilitia.com and click on Memberships. All right, now let's come back to uh, Lens Choice. Yeah, all right, so let's talk about um, the difference that happens when we're photographing people with um, different 
focal length. So I talk about that focal length of 50. So you know when you've um, – uh, when did you last have a passport photo taken or a um, driver's license photo taken, Val? Oh, my goodness. I think I had my passport photo taken, um, yes, at the local post office. And I had a cold at the time and um, I looked terrible in my passport photo. Oh, no, that's that's a given. They do well, that yes, deliberately. Well, yes, that's true. They, they, they're taught to... Make sure, um, make sure that you take the photo, ask them a, a question so that they go, huh, <laughs> mm. just as you're about to take it. So 50 millimetres, believe it or not, is the, 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 the focal length that has the least distortion and it's actually the closest representation to what you really look like. So that's the focal length that they use at the passport office and that's what they use when they're photographing you for your, your driver's licence and, and other sort of ID photos. The, the, the longer the focal length, what it does is it sort of flattens and compresses your, uh, your facial features. I think it's uh, more flattering, but it does um, tend to fill out the face a bit more. And so somewhere between, I think, 85 and 150 is kind of the sweet spot for me. So um, we've talked about the, the iPhone factor. So if you've had sort of a bit of pushback from your younger clients who are like, you know, you might be doing senior portraits and things like that, have a go at shooting them, push in a bit closer and shoot a bit wider and give them that sort of smartphone experience and you're going to sort of, I think you'll get a little bit more love from the <laughs> photos that way. It's kind of manipulative, isn't it? <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> give it a go. So... There's also um, I've got a ton of diagrams in in the show notes that show mm. you um, field of view. So that's the other big thing when you're deciding on whether you shoot wide or long. Now, the longer the lens, so if we're talking about 200 millimeters, think about that the field of view becomes narrower. Why is this a good thing? Well, have a think about if you're out um, shooting in an alleyway and you've got um, someone you want to do a portrait of, but all along the alleyway there are garbage cans, rubbish, guff, mm. stuff there. When you shoot long and narrow, like 200 millimetres, your field of view is much narrower, and so what you, you, you actually miss out on the people on the sides, all the rubbish on the sides, and you mm. just get the person in. So that's why longer is my preferred choice for... Uh, studio and that those difficult portraits where you don't have a lot of space so you can then instead of looking for these panoramic views where you need everything to be perfect all you need is a simple little section like a tiny little section that looks good behind your model and you can shoot anywhere with a longer lens and then you've got that compression in the background and it's absolutely ideal now the wider you get, right, when you're shooting ultra-wide, you're seeing more of the background. So the field of view is much greater. So when would you use like a wider field of view? So this is something that I love to use for, say, um, environmental portraits. Now, in the world of uh, magazine um, editing, Val, like when mm. you were briefing your photographers, what sort of um, – 
what sort of spread were you looking for ideally that they came back with and what were the ones that you said that's a great spread, that's a good selection of images for the page? What do you mean? You mean what kind of um, brief so I was say, giving? I'm not uh, sure, let's totally. say we were doing um, a spread on uh, the wedding with Vin Diesel and Paul Walker's <laughs> daughter, like, you okay. know, and you wanted coverage of that. What sort of images would you want to go over a two-page spread? What sort of stuff do you want uh, to cover? Okay, so if it was for a print magazine, then what's really important if you wanted images, say a hero image, to go across a two-page spread is that it has to be striking, it has to be clean, but you have to remember that there is a gutter, as in the spine of the magazine, right? And so often photographers will centre the exciting bits. Um and, and they're in the gutter, <laughs> so they're unusable. So, um, yeah, it's really important to have not only images that are appropriate to go across a DPS, which is double page spread, as in it is wide enough to go over two pages, but also um, photos that are appropriate for single pages that look great as a single page but also the little the smaller shots which are going like sometimes you'll open a magazine there's going to be five shots sometimes even eight shots um, on the page interspersed with text of course and that might be if they were of um, Paul Walker's daughter's wedding um, (laughs) of the happy couple of the famous people but you would also make sure that you would include little insets of the table setting of the place card of the type of candle they used, um, little, little tells that give you an insight into, you know, what was behind the day and the vibe of the day, even the type of flower arrangements in addition to the people. Exactly. So you, you, you want to be sending variety. So whether you're working for online magazines or advertising clients or um, editorial you always want to make sure that you cover your ass as a photographer and um, STS, which loosely translates to shoot the shit out of it, basically. <laughs> so you want to make sure that you always cover horizontal, vertical, wide. Um, now, I think in one of the recent um, podcast episodes that you covered – um, and his name's going to escape me, Val, but there was a, a great uh, photographer that covered um, how you shoot uh, for an editorial based on how movies are shot. So when you look at uh, Scott Bourne, it was the photographer, mm-hmm. he talks about like westerns or any any um, major movie, and once you see this, you can't unsee it. So I want you now to – when you next watch a movie, I've been watching a lot of Disney movies, by the way, uh, okay. now that I've got, and I quite like, it's very, it's lovely. It's Did lovely. you watch Cinderella? Oh, no, that's not no, Disney, No, I don't actually. like those kind of Disney no. ones, but just okay. like uh, Soul was the last one that I watched, which was just a beautiful movie. Is it called okay. Soul? About the guy yes. who's in jazz. Oh, loved yeah, it wasn't that into it, but okay. I mm-hmm. loved it. Um, it was very anyway, blue. Mm. Yeah, amazing animation. But I'm talking movie movies where it's real people. But um, in this uh, segment, I think it's uh, the last like three. So we did three, six, six, three, six, three, six, four. You'll find it in that episode. He talks about like the opening shot 
of any movie is the establishing shot and it is always it's either going to be a very tight shot like you might see um someone tying up their shoes or something like that so very long and tight or you might have a sweeping panorama which just establishes where they are so it might be like a a drone shot over the desert but then from there they'll go wide mid and tight Mm. so when you're shooting um, and you're providing images for your client, think about those things. It's like I'm going to get the, just exactly what you said, Val. I've got to get the little details, those little fillers. So mm. someone doing up their shoes, um, the, you know, if it's cowboy, the spurs on his um, on his shoes or, or, or the tip of his cap or the stubble on his chin, very tight detail. Mm. And then you can go to mid where it might be knees up you might do tight which is a headshot and then you might do super wide which uh shows establishes the subject in their environment okay so that's like you want to think about that and you always want to make sure that you're shooting horizontal and vertical and it's not that hard to just shoot you know shoot it horizontal tip, tip your camera shoot it vertical and give the client options and the more options yeah. you give, train yourself to get better at it and then you, you're not overshooting it, you're just giving them a good amount of options and you might find that you're ending up with the cover or, you know, mm. a six-page six page spread instead of two be, just because the shots are so good. Yeah, absolutely, definitely. Mm-hmm. All right, so my thinking when it comes to how – how I decide whether I want to shoot long with a long lens and eliminate the background or whether I want to include the background is what is the story that I'm trying to tell. So when I'm shooting like my pharma series or my personal projects, my, my preferred shooting style for those is to shoot wide so that I can put the um, the model, the farmer, whoever I'm shooting into the environment that I'm telling a story about. So I want the the viewer to see where they are. So it might be in South Africa or it might be in the, you know, the rice fields of Bali or, you know, South America or wherever, but that's an important part of the image for me. So generally when I shoot um, the the stuff that I travel for, it's 24 millimetres shooting wide, I'm getting a lot of the background. And then it's a matter of finding that sweet spot where I've got the person. So what is the sweet spot? There is a spot when you're shooting wide that you can have the model in there and they're not going to be distorted. And it's a matter of experimenting. So if you're too close, their face is going to distort and it's going to have that worse than the smartphone factor in it. So you've just got Mm. to kind of level up and at, at some point, all lenses look the same. It's the sweet spot. So you get the figure in, but you also get the detail in the background. And the focal length it comes into consideration as well. So I might shoot at f8 or f11 because I need all that detail. It's part of the storytelling. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. All right. When I'm shooting, say, advertising or a portrait where – the background doesn't matter. I might have a plain background. I just want it to be about the personality of the person and I want all of that background guff eliminated or I've had experiences where I've gone and I've shot editorial where you go to the house and there's just nowhere 
there's no clean background to shoot in. So you want to mm. eliminate all of that. So you either use a shallow depth of field or what we were always taught as um, as photographers going out on location is to bring some kind of backdrop where you can get rid of Jan's entire creepy doll collection that she's got. On the <laughs> and just go or just embrace the creepy doll collection. Well, it would be really cool as a shoot and I'm actually disappointed <laughs> that I didn't do it. But sometimes there's just... 50 different kinds of wallpaper, so much stuff that when you look at the image, <laughs> um, like when you go to the Edelston's house, which all the Australians will <laughs> will know that reference. Jeffrey and Bryn. Jeffrey and, and Bryn. Gabby. Uh, is it what? Well, the after Bryn was Gabby. I oh, know it was Bryn, but there's a lot of gold, a lot of wallpaper, a lot going on. So sometimes we just bring a, um, a plain background just to make it simple so that there is nothing distracting in the background that 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 detracts from the model. You want the model to be the hero, so you simplify it. So that's when I shoot long, so I've got that narrow field of view, shoot shallow to eliminate all, all clutter from the background and just make my model the hero. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. All right, so finally, Val, mm-hmm. um, when you're shooting um, – so that's uh, portraits. When you're shooting documentary or street photography, um, it's kind of like you, you can change it, but generally like 35 mil is the millimetres is the preferred lens choice of documentary photographers. So mm. it's, it's kind of that um, true street and documentary photography is that it's not set up. Like so my stuff that I do that is set up, is not street or documentary, it's portrait, right? Mm. But when you're out on the street and you want to capture those images, then you want to just capture that moment. Something like a 35-millimetre lens is absolutely perfect because what it does is you have to move with your feet. So when you're shooting 35, you have to get really close. And it's actually a challenging lens to get to use at first. And I think Julia Coddington in episode three six four or three six three talks about how she gets very very close to her subjects because you've got to think about everyone's in their own little world so if you've got a little bit of courage you can actually get fairly close to people without them noticing to get those great street photos and you build on that it's something that you can't do to start with I was always scared to photograph people I was across the street with a telephoto lens but you can do a really good job if you, you build the courage. So 35 millimetres, ideal. And the other game changer when you're doing street photography because there's the issue with focus, right? You can never get that focus quick enough. Pre-focus. Mm. So right. pre-focus is what a lot of street photographers do. So the way – How do you know where the person's going to be? All right, so what you do is ahead of time. So you mm. want to be, say, setting your aperture to f8. You want a fast enough shutter speed that you can handheld. So 200, 500, it'll depend on the light and the ISO. You set your ISO accordingly, right? So you've got all of those set. When you're shooting at f8, there's going to be a fair bit of latitude from where the the image is sharp. There's going to be like a fair um, few places that you can – focus and be safe and know that the image is going to be sharp all the way through. So the problem is that when you've got your camera set to autofocus, 
you could be um, it could be backlit or there could be a car going past and then the yeah. camera's autofocus yeah. system starts searching and yeah. and you miss the shot. Yeah. So when I heard about this pre-focus technique, I actually um, one of my trips uh, that I took, I spent a week just practicing it, just going out and going. Well, and the first day was atrocious. The second day was atrocious. By the third day, I got the hang of it. So it's something that um, you can head out in your lunch hour or after work or before work or on a walk or whatever and just do this pre-focus technique. So here's how you do it, all right? Mm. So you've got your camera is set to autofocus. So what you want to do is, so I've given you the settings, say F8, uh, high enough shutter speed that you can shoot handheld without camera shake and whatever the ISO is to give you the right um, manual setting for that, okay? Then what you want to do is find a pole that is, say, or an object that is about six feet or two metres away from you, okay? Mm -hmm. And you focus on that, okay? Okay, yeah. So you set a focus point of two metres or six feet in front of you Mm -hmm. and then you switch off your your autofocus and then don't touch anything. So what you've done is you've now pre-focused the camera, okay, and you can go around and photograph subjects in and around that two metres, six feet away from you, they're all going to be sharp. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. Because you're now, at F8 and if, but if you were at F8, F... you've already pre-focused. 5.6, it would be a problem. Exactly. So you can now start shooting and you don't have to worry about searching for focus. It takes practice. So... Great places to, like, just walking around the street, have a practice. Walking um, markets are really good for this sort of stuff, you know. Have the camera slung. I had it, like, slung across my back, I think, and I was just, like, you know, taking shots randomly. And you'll be surprised at how close you can get to people and how quickly you can shoot because you've eliminated that need to hunt focus and it's a game changer so, so approximately so obviously you've done that focus focal point <clears throat> six feet or two meters in front of you let's just say two yeah. meters right um yeah. two meters in front of you what's the grace sort of period you know what i mean like how how near and how far will they still be in focus okay so it's going to depend on the lens um, and so if you're shooting around that 35, the wider the lens, the more grace you've got. So the wider you shoot, so if you're shooting 35, 24 millimetres, and actually this is actually a good way to start is um, shoot at a wider wider focal length. So pick 24 or 35, don't shoot long, stick mm. to that, and you're right. going to have more grace. There's going to be more areas of the image are in focus when you shoot mm. wide because of the way the lens is constructed. The longer That's a great tip. Yeah. The longer you shoot, right, the the hard the, the the smaller the latitude you have. So when you're learning anything, and this goes for if you're learning how to pan an image or you're learning any any anything, make it easy on yourself and start wide. Even if you're learning like you haven't quite got the hang of autofocus do yourself a favour and for the first little while, if you've just bought your camera, start with a 24 millimetre lens. Mm. 
It's not about, and this is something that I say to the goldies every day, don't, don't worry about making pretty pictures. Focus on the technique. Once you get the technique right, then you can focus on making the pretty pictures. But if you don't get the technique right, you're going to have all these images that are out of focus, which is, I think, probably the most frustrating thing for new photographers. So this, for those of you that love street photography but hate the fact that you keep missing the shots, is a great way. If you're not sure what two metres or six feet is, get a tape measure and just measure it out mm. and sort of eyeball it. And I said, like, you know, I went out, first day sucked. So <laughs> did the second day. My third day, I started to get it and then I started to get more confidence. It's actually a really good style. Mm. Great. Okay, love it. All right, so on the depth of field, um, you want a, like a shallower depth of field when you're shooting and you'll get a shallower depth of field when you shoot long as opposed to when you shoot wide. It is hard, very difficult to get that shallow depth of field when you shoot wide. So if you want that bokeh, blurred out background and that's the sort of look that you like, that can only be achieved with a longer lens and you want to mm. shoot with something like over 100 millimetres and, and you also want to be shooting wide open. That's going to blur out your background. Yep. If you want detail all throughout your image and this is something that you want to remember if the client says, I need an environmental portrait, it's really important that we see the power lines in the background, <laughs> all the dolls in Jan's house, all the detail <laughs> in the eyes. We want detail all the way through this image, then make it easier on yourself and shoot wide rather than long and you're always going to make sure that you um, nail that depth of field. All right, does that mm. make sense? Yeah, definitely. All right, so there we go, Val. So um, that is like a little cool. bit of a deep dive. I encourage you all, like the, the, the notes for this and the images really bring it all home. They show you yeah. what the field of view is for each different lens. It shows you the distortion on the face. And uh, I've got the step-by-step -step there for um, shooting uh, that that um, documentary style where you pre-focus. So it's all there for you guys. Love it. Fantastic. Um, that was an awesome topic to pick for this week, Gina. Thanks. Yeah, I thought it's like it's, it's good to know what just – like n not so much randomly and then you what you'll find is the lens choice that you pick is part of your distinctive style you know mm. so it's the look that you create you're going mm. to just find that certain um certain uh focal lengths you're just drawn to them they just feel right for some people it's 35 for some it's 50 you know just because i say i love shooting 100 plus doesn't mean you're going to like it, as in you listeners are going to like it. Try it on for yourself. It's like trying on a pair of pants. Not, you know, <laughs> you know what I've, you know what's happened to me of late that you do. Have you done um, very late night um, shopping? Like, oh yeah, two? oh and yeah. You, do you remember your purchases? Uh yeah, generally. So when I was very high on all those antibiotics, yes. this, uh -huh. this, like last week, this pair of jeans arrives at the house and I'm oh like, God. what on earth are these? Oh. They oh. were like, I, 
Val, if I showed them to you, you would go, what What? What were you thinking? They are ridiculous. Insane. I don't remember buying them. Wow. That's, so that's pretty bad. Up. So I need some kind of lock on my um, yes. on my computer so that I can't do that again. <laughs> and I, I forgot what I was, what point I was trying to make. But anyway. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but anyway, pick pick the right lens and um and and love what you do and uh you'll all be good <laughs> <laughs> all right great so what are you doing in the coming week until we uh, catch up again gina one more thing i want to share an aussie oh, slang yeah, word all right oh, slang that, word you know, okay favorite of mine because it's summer here yes yes it uh, is. not yet slang. it's not it's actually spring but well, it's nearly summer. It will be summer soon in like uh, over okay. a month. Okay, so just as an anyway. aside, because it's spring here, so the birds are all um, making nests here in Australia. And mm-hmm. I told you last week how I trimmed my pooch, <laughs> right? Yes. And so that's um, trimming my, my dog's fur, right? Mm-hmm. Instead mm-hmm. of and, – and do you – like you brush your cats, right? Yes, yes. What do you do with the fur? You collect it. You're making little mini me's, aren't you, with it? Yes, I put the, put it in a drawer because yep. I have a a book called Crafting with Cat Hair. Yeah, right, of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'm going to make an iPad cover. It's not right. Um, another, <laughs> another really useful tip if you are someone that is um, it's a real book, brush, by the way. brushing your pets or trimming your pet's hair is don't throw that hair out, particularly if it's spring where you live, because the birds are building nests and oh, they yeah. love that fur. So what we do, what we did is we put it at, just outside on a tree, like just put all the fur oh, out. Yeah. It's all gone. So oh, the magpies, great the idea actually. The possums have also taken it and put because I've got like um. Possum boxes all over the thing because I moved them out of the roof and now mm. they've like I gave them their own little Taj Mahals, mm, and uh, mm. so the so the wild because you know the wildlife will take anything to to make nests and they're usually using yes. God knows what bits of carpet and all of that so fur is this natural product it's all yes. gone and it just makes me happy that there's all these nests around the neighbourhood that yes. are you know. Of the the dog's fur, so that that's uh just just as an aside there. Did I say what the Aussie slang word was? No. Uh, so it's budgie smuggler. Do you want to explain what that is, Val? <laughs> Have we not had budgie smuggler before? I just thought we needed to say it again because I just love it. Okay, I'm sure everyone knows what a budgie smuggler is. However, if you don't, uh, it's what do you, they're speedos? Is that what they so, call? In, in the States? Yeah, you know, uh, I don't know how else to explain it. So what's the it, basically... that they wear on Baywatch or um, people wear to the beach, like the tight ones that look like, – they're not board shorts. They look, they look like um, – But the ones just... on Baywatch, they're red shorts. That's completely oh, right. different. So do people wear Speedos? They Did must. They I mean, they, they certainly do in, do in Europe. They love a Speedo in Europe. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they're the yeah. smallest kind of. They're the, the you know. Kind. And it looks like you're smuggling <laughs> a small bird in the a front budgie. pants. A little budgie, <laughs> small bird. Um, and now the trend is the um, the G-string valve. Are you busting out the G-string this year for your um, no, when you lay by the pool I, or on the beach? No, I just bought a cozy. Yeah, um, but you've got the which G-string, is what right? 
a little bit of butt is, floss and just a little triangle. No, at the no, front. no. No, no. I just bought a cosy, which is what in my state of New South Wales we call it, but in Gina's state of Victoria, they call them bathers. But I just bought a cosy and um, it's really nice. Yeah, but it's not G-string, no. Have you worn it? And not yet, but it is getting warmer. It's not summer yet, Gina, despite what what parallel universe you're living in. 27 Celsius. Summer. No, no. Not yet. Anyway, but I will be soon. Great. Yes, because I need to try out my pool. I haven't tried out my pool yet since yeah, living here. Yeah, you never swam in the other one, so let's let's hope this no. one gets uh, more of a go, <laughs> shall we? Yeah. I'm excited. So you'll send a video of that in the sure. Brazilian, the crochet. Yeah, sure. <laughs> no crochet. No crochet. I missed that when I was Fantastic. Uh, so that's what you're doing bikini. this week. You'll be swimming. I don't know about this week. I'm probably going to wait till November when it gets a little bit warmer. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Yes. That's only like a week away. Yes, yes. Anyway, where do we find you online, Gina? Find me at ginamilitia.com. That's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. I'm on all social media at Gina Militia. And if you want to take your photography to the next level, I'd love the opportunity to work with you. Just go to ginamilitia.com and click on memberships. What about you, Val? You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.